Love Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vampire Diaries Month of May here on the VRO. Tonight, you got me, Amber, and Jessica. Hi, guys. And we got Amy running Switch. Um, big interview tonight, guys. We got the TVD showrunner, Julie Plack, joining us. Um, she really won't be joining us until about 8.15, but we have to start our shows at an even time. So we figured we'd take this first 15 minutes to talk about the finale a little bit and how freaking insane it was. Yeah, it was definitely to die for. Definitely. All I'm going to say is, um, and I I think he's okay, but I am going to say it anyway, Uh, my boyfriend, Zach, better be okay. That's all I'm saying. I think earlier that, um, I think I read earlier that they said that if Zach died, that would be way too tragic. So I'm pretty sure he's still alive. I'm pretty and, sure I mean, he's okay, really too, but purpose. I still have to say it just in case because there is that oh. kind of limbo that we're in until they come back. So, yes, it would be way too tragic, but when has that mattered, you know? Exactly, exactly. So, okay, what was the most shocking part for you, Amber? Oh, man. Um, you know... The thing with Elena that happened, it wasn't shocking because I think after last week, we were under the same consensus that she was going to have to die in order for Laura to go. So I kind of saw that coming. I think shocking for me, and believe it or not, everybody's not going to believe this, shocking for me was Elena choosing Stefan because I had really convinced myself over the last, you know, this I, I felt like this whole season had built it up, and a lot of people felt that way, and I was convinced that she was going to keep driving and that she was going to save her goodbye for Damon. And maybe had she done that, she wouldn't be a vampire right now. But um, I think that was probably the most shocking thing for me, honestly. Yeah, I'm going to have to say, um, and I didn't really know going into it. I didn't think, oh, she's going to pick one, she's going to pick the other. I never really was sure about that. But I'm going to tell you, when she was in the truck with Matt, I thought that she would go to Damon. I really did think that. If for no other reason than she, you know, she had kind of already had her Stefan moment. So this was her chance to kind of get that moment with both of them. So I thought she would go to him. I I was disappointed, not just because I'm a Damon Elena fan, because I am. Everybody knows that. But I just was. It kind of just, you know, it kind of broke me there because I felt like, I don't know. Let's say in the end, Damon is, he may always do it the wrong way, but he always does what needs to be done. And, you know, it's time for him to get his due a little, little bit. But I understand why why she did the way she did and all that. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think now that um, she's going to come back as a vampire that a lot of things are going to change. I think a lot of things are going to be a lot different. And, you know, she did kind of have that moment with Stefan, but really the last moment that she shared before she died was with Damon. She was able to talk to Damon on the phone. She was able to talk to Damon. You know, her last moment with Stefan was was dying, and there was no speaking. Yes, they were able to, you know, they love each other. They saw each other. They could see in each other's eyes, and, and Stefan knew what he had to do because he always gives Elaine a choice. But her last moment, her last goodbye kind of was to Damon. Yeah, but that's not, I, I didn't mean, um, I, let me rephrase a little bit. I didn't mean the car moment. I meant when she kissed him in her bedroom. I meant she kind right, of, right, right. 
her moment with him, you know, they kissed, they talked, you know, before the rest of the evening kind of happened. I felt like they had that good moment. So, you know, you know, putting the whole car thing aside, because nobody knew Rebecca was going to stand in the car and she was going to go off the bridge. So she didn't even know that he was going to come down there and save her for a second time. So I didn't, I was just meaning the other moment. But, you know, she did, you're right, she did have her last kind of moment was with Damon, with her talking to him and giving him the run around, you know, so to speak. But that's okay. You know, I mean, she was nice about what she said. I do think that um, a lot of people are taking it really literally that um, she said, if I would have met you first, and then they show this great flashback, and she did meet him first. And um, I don't know if a lot of people realize, and we all know they don't go by the books, period. They don't. But they do pull in some stuff from the books. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Definitely they do pull in some stuff from the books. And, I mean, back to what you said about um, Rebecca, you know, I, I was talking to a friend earlier, and she said um, one of the things that she loved about this episode is that everything that happened on this episode was uh, because of Elena's decision. And usually if something happens, it's always someone else's decision. Like, you know, when Elena's life is saved, it's because Damon did something to save her life or Stefan made a choice to save her life or whatever. And, and every instance in this episode led up to it started with her trusting Elijah. Her tr- trusting Elijah, and then, um, you know, it went on from there. And, you know, nobody knew Rebecca was going to stand in front of that bridge. Nobody knew that that stuff was happening. It was all unpreparable. Like, there was no way to get around what was going to happen in this episode when there's always been a way out before, you know? Yeah, and I think that um, in next season, I think that um, Rebecca is going to have a rude, rude, rude awakening because, I mean, she set all this in motion by standing in front of that car. And I think that um, I, I think this is going to be bad. I don't think she's going to know how to deal with the fact that no one is going to want to have anything to do with her. Her favorite right. brother is dead, so to speak. I mean, you know, in a sense, I, you know, it'll probably be an episode or two before she realizes he actually still is around. She's, so she's going to have to kind of mourn that and deal with the way everyone's going to be towards her, including Matt, um, because Matt has had a little bit of a soft side for her. So that's probably, that's definitely going to change there. And um, I'm curious to see how she's going to deal with that because she is, you know, in the end of the day, she is Miss Brissy. Everybody likes me. I'm beautiful. And no, no, no. You know, she's she reminds me a lot of the way Caroline used to be in that sense. And so I'm kind of curious to see how she's going to deal with that. I agree. And I think also how we're going to deal with Elijah because Elijah gave Elena his word, and I think that he meant that. And I think that Elijah was not part of that plan. And I think Rebecca was very compulsive. And Elijah probably had no idea that she was going to kill Elena. Yeah. And that's going to be something she's going to have to deal with, too. I mean, it's 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 all a lot. It's a lot. She She's definitely going to come into play. She definitely made – she pulled a clouds. It's very clouds-like the way that she acted. She did. And um, let's all take a minute to mourn Matt's truck because it's gone. I mean, golly, everybody loves that old truck. So I'm just going to be sad not to see that around anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's talk. Oh. Don't we know we have limited time before Julie calls in. So let's definitely talk about a lark. Let's say, first of all, that Matt Davis is an outstanding actor. You put a little bit of dark in there for him, and man, does he turn the heat up. He, he does a good damn job. I'm really proud of him. 
I agree. I'm going to totally miss him next season. I do feel like we'll probably see him from time to time in a flashback. It was so awesome to see um, Sarah Canning this week as Jenna. That was amazing. That was what everyone had hoped for all year long, to see that one few minutes, you know, little few minutes of her because everyone's missed her. So that was awesome. So I think we will see him from time to time. But um, he did a very, very good job playing um, the super vampire slayer and, you know, I almost wish he would have had a little bit more time with that because that was amazing. Um, I agree. And um, in, in case everybody didn't heard, his pilot was picked up. So yeah. he will continue to be on um, the CW, but uh, he, you know, will have to see him in flashbacks, you know, a time or two. So, Jessica, can you see me on Facebook? I just got my thing to come up, so... Okay, good. Yeah, so maybe that'll actually work for us. Yeah, so hopefully that hopefully that will um we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I just got so distracted. I'm so sorry. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully um hopefully we will see uh, Matt Davis in some flashbacks. We'll see some more flashbacks. You know. One of the things we asked Stephen this week is why um, Jeremy had to call on his parents. So I don't think that that's the last we're going to see Melania's parents either. Your phone's getting kind of staticky, so be careful. Mine is. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. So, is that um, better? Yeah. We need to post the link for Julie's interview. We haven't posted it on Facebook. Um, I'll post it on Twitter right now. Okay. And. But I don't know about y'all, but I want to know where um, a lark steak ended up, and I hope that Julie can tell us that because I feel like that's going to be a major component in next season for us. I agree. I agree. I hope so too. Yeah, I hope so, so um, too. Let's see, what else do we need to talk about? So, um, for the finale wise, um, um, hey everybody, everybody, if you're calling in to listen, please do not push one. Please do not push one. If you're calling in to listen, please do not push one. Julie will not be able to get through if a bunch of people are pushing one, and we can't pick her up on the switch. Yeah, so just please, remember, please, when please. you call in, you can hear everything that we're saying. You can hear the show. But if you press 1, then that takes up one of our operating systems for the switchboard. So since we're not taking callers tonight, there's no reason for anyone at all to press 1. That's just for us doing the the actual show. And so you don't want to do that because then Julie can't get through. That's very, very important. And remember, you can also listen online and it's free, and it's the same thing. So, you know, maybe you don't even need to call in. It's totally up to you on how you hear best. But um, if you're listening online, then just remember not to call in, too, because it can kind of mess stuff up. Yes. That is true, too. So, we got a few more minutes. Hopefully, Julie will be calling in in just a few more minutes. But, um, you know, I- overall... It was a wonderful Can you put um, the link on Facebook for me so that I can... um, I sure can. Send it. 
Um, my internet is messed up today, guys. How how is that for you? And AT and T and all its good stuff. So, mm-hmm. oh, and you know what? Let's talk ISF for just a minute because that was a fabulous commercial with my girl. It really was. I'm very proud of everybody that we saw there. Um, we weren't lucky enough to to be able to fly out to California for the Get Dirty event, but we are very proud of what our brothers and sisters over at ISF did for that. And um, also, just to kind of throw it out there, too, um, looks like there will most likely be another icon in October, and I'm only bringing this up because Ian will probably be there, and I do plan to do another big project to get some money going, um, so we'll do another big raffle for that, and um, I believe all the money for that is going to go to the new ISF Animal Shelter. Amber, I'm so excited about this. This is like... I'm excited, too. Headline yep. news for me. So it's going to take a lot of money to get it going, so I'm really excited to, to get it going and get that stuff. So if anybody has any um, raffle or contest ideas, then um, shoot me an email because I'd love to hear it. I'd love to do something a little bit different this time. So if you have a suggestion, then let me know, um, as long as it really is a suggestion. Um, please don't email me and say, I just want to meet in because I know you do. Everybody does, but um, if you have a suggestion, then we would love to hear it because um, we like to do what the fans want for sure. Okay, real quick, I'm going to jump in here because Julie just sent out a Twitter. Uh, she has temporarily locked herself out of her house. <laughs> she said, stand by, she'll be calling in shortly. Okay. <laughs> Thank God for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. Well, me and my internet. Come on, internet. Maybe it'll give me time to get my internet to work a little bit better. Um, maybe that will. And I'm still, Jessica, whatever I just IM you on Facebook, I'm stalking Twitter to try to find out. Say that again, you're what? I'm stalking Twitter to try to find out. Okay. Because that's what I do. Right. Oh, Lord. Okay. Just remember, guys, it'll all be worth it in just a minute because I know that um, this will, I believe this will be Julie's first um live interview that she's done since the show where we can actually hear her voice and she can answer in her own words and and all that good stuff so that's always a lot of fun i find it um a little funny that um every time we have our month of may one of the cast members either locks themselves out of their house locks their self out of their car, they have a flat tire, another cast member has to come pick them up. <laughs> I think we're cursed. No, I think it's um, just as the Vampire Diaries people always have so much going on. And um, the fact is, is no matter what it is, they still want to talk to us. So that's a good thing. Very much, very much. Got a little bit nerve buzz right now. 
say that again? And I got a little nerve buzzed right now. All right, guys, don't worry. My Internet's messed up. I'm trying to get logged into Twitter, though, via my phone so that I can tweet all stuff, so don't worry. We're going to work it out for sure. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I'm so I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And, guys, we did a lot of research today, so we're going to try to ask Julie some questions. We're going to try to ask Julie some questions that haven't been asked yet. So hopefully, you know, we're going to get we're going to get a couple of things. So, but we have some good ones. <laughs> and right now my roommates are going to get me dinner. <laughs> That's how settled I am right now. I was like, I'm not moving. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get me dinner, and so when this is all said and done, I can eat. I can eat my grilled cheese and drink my milkshake. And I've been very sick the past two days, and uh, this interview was so important to me that I literally drank almost an entire bottle of Nyquil in the past two days and slept for like 24 straight hours. And now I'm like way better. But yesterday I couldn't even talk my way out of a paper bag. You can ask Brandon. He was like, he was like, what are you gonna do? I was like, uh, I'm, unless I'm dead, I'm doing this interview. <laughs> Basically how that went. Jess, are you still with me? Yep, I'm here. Okay. I'm just trying to get my internet to work. Tweet. Bit a total pain. Yep. That happens. I don't have anything to use, so well, I do on my phone, but not their internet service. But well, I did for many years. Can, but it's the only thing we can get in this area. So. Oh, I tell you what, let's talk news. Um, the Mystic Grill yesterday, so very sad. I know a lot of y'all saw that I posted pictures that caught on fire yesterday morning around 6.15 or 6.30, and my phone was blowing up with um, people saying that the Mystic Grill was on fire, so... You know, it was awful, but um, it did not affect the outside in a way that will affect filming. So, um, yes, they had to replace the doors, but they changed the doors before they film anyway, so that it didn't even affect that because the Mystic Girl door wasn't up. The big Mystic Girl sign had been taken down to be painted for season four, so that was a good thing. So, um, you know, it's just very, very awful for Carter and Associates and Alexander Royston and the law offices that were inside. The inside was gutted. Um, so I have not decided yet, but I am waiting to hear back from Mr. Carter. He's always been so grateful and good to us. A, a lot of you have known if you've taken the tour, he'll come out and remove the signs. So you can get a picture without his little clock on it. And he'll come out and say, here comes a vampire. So he's very funny and very sweet. So yeah, um we may be taking up a um, a donation for him later on to help with, you know, the inside and all that. We, we're kind of waiting on him to get back from where he had gone out of town and make sure that he's okay with that because, you know, that is a big deal. But um, if he wants us to, we're going to do that. So yeah, I'll keep you all informed and um, post that on Vampire Stalkers because I feel like that's kind of important. He's so great to the fandom, and, you know, it's a big deal. He gives up his offices whenever they need them, so... 
we want to be yep. appreciative okay. to that and to their needs. I feel, you know, we've got a lot of employees out of work now. They won't be able to go back until until they can open, so that's sad. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I can't imagine driving to work and my office is on fire. I mean, you know, that'd be awful. Mm-hmm. Then what mm-hmm. do you do? Do you stand there and watch it burn, or do you go home and lay back down? I mean, really, you know? Oh, really? What do you do? Sir? What do you do? <laughs> I guess be thankful that it's not your house burning and you can go back home and lay down. I mean, what do you do? That is crazy. So, Lord. Crazy. Okay, guys, I'm going to jump back in here and let you know that we're going to push our anniversary show to um, 9.30. And um, we will have some special guests calling in, hopefully. Um, I just got a couple of emails from some of them, so I'm going to let them know that we're pushing the time back. And hopefully Julie will call in soon because I think Amber and Jess are running out of stuff to talk about. But it's cute. What? I love it. <laughs> no, we're not. No. You guys, are, you two are so cute. And Jess, um, let us know definitely about the Mystic Grill because when I seen that on the news, I was, it's it's really, it's sad for um, for the businesses that have caught on fire because this is the second um, the second set for the Vampire Diaries that caught on fire, right? Because it was Matt's house, the first one, right? Yeah, right. but what happened was is a um, a delivery truck driver hit a telephone pole behind the Mystic Grill, and when he mm-hmm. hit it, the transformer blew up. Mm-hmm. So that caused a fire, you know, from the from the actual blowing up of that, and so that's why it went all inside. And since this building is from the 1800s, which is the actual the saddest part of this, is that it is this this old beautiful building. So they had to, you know, kind of take out a lot of the roof to make sure there weren't any false ceilings and that type of thing. So, you know, they, it, it took a lot of work to make sure the fire was out. The fire department here was magnificent. They um, they were on the scene in less than two minutes. So that's, you know, kudos to them. Um, my thing is, is you know, and the reason that I'm probably going to do a donation for, um, for Mr. Carter, it's not just because of what he does. It's because at the end of the day, Mr. Carter rents that office from someone else. So the other someone else is the one that actually owns that place. So, yes, insurance will probably pay to fix things. But as far as, you know, as, far as like, Mr. Carter's things goes, he's not going to get the end of that because he doesn't own that building. Right. So he's kind of going to have to start over. And, and I'm not saying he doesn't have the money because I don't know. You know, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's going to be very hard to go from – you know, you're renting this building, and he's been there for, I don't even know, I, I know at least 10 years he's been there. So that's a very long time. And you have to think, this beautiful building from the 1800s, it burns, and um, you've got these offices inside there that have been there 10, 20 years, and every single article says the Mystic Grill's on fire, and none of them say Carter and Associates or Alexander Royston. So I tried to make sure in my post that I put on Ben Burr Stalkers that I talked about the people that, that worked there and, you know, that their belongings were on fire, that type of thing, because I feel like that's just as important as the fact that it is the Mystic Grill. So I just want to make sure everybody keeps that you know, because they work there every day, and, you know, mm-hmm. thankfully we'll be still be able to film there, and that's not going to be affected. You know, that's amazing. 
Thankfully, the courthouse was not damaged. I don't know what anyone would have done if the courthouse would have been damaged. That would have been awful. You know, it's just it's sad. You know, Did, was that the only building that was um, damaged? Yeah, there's a few stores um, right beside it that got some water damage and that type of thing, but they were all right there in that little strip. And the courthouse, which is on the left, is fine. So that's a good thing. That's good. You know, so we just kind of have to wait and see as far as that goes on how bad it is for the other stores. I do know that most everyone else besides the one that that are right in the Mystic Girl office, they were able to open at lunchtime that day. So so their their damage was minimal. So that's that's awesome. You know, when you have businesses that close that they're actually in the same building, it's very not very often that you see that that many of them actually are able to open and, and do okay. So that that's an awesome thing. That's good. That's good. Um, another question. You have to tell us about the baby swans. How are they doing? Oh, they are four times the size that they were. Um, it's amazing. Um, whereas they probably would have fit in the palm of my hand now, um, they're all from the tip of my middle finger all the way to my elbow. That's how big they are. It's amazing. Um and I went, you know, I was at Lockwood Mansion today doing a tour, and they're having a wedding there tomorrow, and they're setting up, and it is so beautiful. And the swans are out there, they have seven. I get invited to this wedding. No, it's someone <laughs> is paying them to use their home for a wedding. Well, so. yeah. I'm never getting remarried, so and even if I did. Yeah, and they're so sweet. <laughs> They've been sending me pictures to show me as they decorate and stuff. It's gorgeous because Ben and Ralph are amazing decorators, and um, they used to have a floral re- business, so all the arrangements are beautiful. It's it's just awesome. But um, I, I do believe that they're um, trying to find people to take the swans because they can't keep the baby swans. You can only have, like, a mommy and a daddy for one lake. So if anybody out there has a lake. All right, Julie's on the line. Oh, enough. What? Joy's on the line. Oh, okay. Hi. Hi. Hi, Julie. Sorry for the delay. That's all right, as long as you're not inside. Are you inside now? You're safe? No. No. <laughs> I'm in my car. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know, uh, and I'm screwed. <laughs> you're you're not the first um, Vampire Diary um, person that has done this from their car last year. Candace called because she had a flat tire. She was in her car when she did her interview. Can you guys hear me okay? Is the quality all right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. okay, cool. Sweet. I'm well, we'll, just, um, we'll, uh, we'll jump right into it then, and we'll try not to take up too much of your time so you can get in your house. But um, the first question we got for you is, when it comes to season three as a whole, whose character development are you most proud of? Oh, that's a good one. I have to say for the record that I actually can't get into my house, so I'm not really all that much of a rush. Um, okay, okay. But, uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. Okay, um, well, ooh. I would have to say, I mean, obviously Alaric, I think, is is the one that went from, you know, one of the most extremes to the other. You know, I think that our challenge for ourselves at the beginning of the year was how can we see this character that we all love internally, that, you know, we love the idea of him, we love who he was in the books, we love Matt Davis, and how can we give him a point of view and give him a purpose and and finally deliver on all the things that we wanted to give him for now going on a couple seasons, and 
and then we just kind of went for it. And I remember the day that we came up with the Jekyll and Hyde thing, and we just all got so excited. It was back in like September, I think, early maybe late August, early September. And when and when we came up with it, it was just this moment in the writers' room where we just all were like, "Oh, that's so good!" And um, and then just riding the wave of that, you know, it was very emotional, very very cool. Matt's so good, so being able to watch him finally get to do something great was really thrilling. And um, you know, one of the best cries of the of of the year for me, if not you know, three years in that, in uh, the dance episode. So it, it has to be that. Great answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, he he definitely developed well. He did. Well, I'm sure you know that there is a big Stefan and Klaus fan base. It's all over Twitter. Um, did, you and the writers, <laughs> did you and the writers take that into consideration when Stefan was the one that caused Klaus to go down in the desiccation scene? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, um, I read on Twitter and, you know, other sources a couple of, of debates about who should be the one that got to kind of drive drive that stake in. And I know there was a good case to be made for Elena for sure. Uh, and we at one point in the room had made a good case for it to be uh, Damon when, uh, you know, when Elena maybe tried but couldn't or something. But when all said and done, it felt like the the – Stefan was such a victim of Klaus's machinations for the last year and lost a lot. I mean, everybody lost a lot. Elena, for sure, lost so much. But Stefan lost a little piece of his soul to the Klaus master plan. And yet their friendship from the past was something that was clearly so important to Klaus. So to to let Stefan have that moment of, of the kind of the knife in the back, the proverbial knife in the back, and just twist it and stab it and be like, yeah, dude, like, this is for all that. Screw you. And to get that sort of moment of triumph, although, as you could tell, it was kind of almost weirdly bittersweet for him. So uh, it it had a lot of layers to it. I think that's why we liked it so much. Yeah, it was great to finally see Stefan get his due in that sense, for sure. So, yeah. Well, um. This is me, Jess, so now I'm going to start my little part for you, Julie. Um, <laughs> when Elena and Matt are talking, she explains to Matt that Stefan is a there-for-you love and that Damon consumes her. I think both ways are awesome ways to be loved, but do you think that those will factor into Elena's love game now that, I mean, let's face it, next season is going to be a whole other road to go down? Oh yeah, I mean, uh, this, in my opinion, the the way the episode ended really changes everything for everybody, because we've been living one world and we're about to live a completely different world, and Elena is um, about to be a completely different person in a lot of ways and have a different context for life. So in a way, we're in a way we're almost starting over, you know, and I think that that's kind of what excites us about it and what makes it seem fun. Uh, I think that when you're 18, obviously, um, it's very difficult to to be able to look ahead and understand what always means. Um, and, you know, it's hard enough when you're, like, you know, my age. Um, right. And, 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 you know, that, that, that remains a big predicament for people 
into well into their adulthood, which is what is the best love for me? Is it is it the one who's right there by my side, who's my you know my champion, my friend, my soulmate, my protector? You know, um, is it the the good person, the one who I would want to you know grow old till we're ninety together and walk in the park with, <laughs> or or is it that volatile, exciting, passionate? you know, intense, intense, somewhat dark, but all-consuming love. And, you know, in a perfect world, you get a little bit of both. And I think I think both of these men in her life, Stefan and Damon, both do have a little bit of both. It's just that they're skewed for each other. Stefan skews, you know, obviously when he's, when he's got himself together, he skews very much in the good guy role, and Damon, when he's being Damon skews in the bad guy role. And so the fun of it for us has been blurring those dynamics with the brothers and watching them dip over into the other side, you know, of of good versus bad and complicating them even more, which makes, of course, her decision so much more difficult. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, I'm really curious to see now, you know, now that Elena's going to turn into a vampire, she may go into that wanting the more of the consumption and the, the fast-pacedness and all that Damon can bring her, or she may still need that stepping to ground her. So, so it'll be fun to see where y'all go with it, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, if I'm a guest woman, I'd say it's going to be a little bit of both, you know? Well, um Dr. Elena says, if I'd met you first, we see a flashback where Damon met Elena before the crash. Was it always planned to be played that way, or was that something that you decided recently in the writer's room, and if so, why? Um, You know, it's funny. I just answered this question earlier today, and, uh, you know, there's, like, nine parts of the answer, so I'll try to not, like, completely make it confusing. Um, (laughs) The idea that Damon met her first and showing that scene as a flashback came late. That that came as um, as a element in a story beat that we wanted to tell in this episode uh, about. I've said you know you can't tell a flashback episode without learning something new, and we and we we decided that this was a nice new piece of information. That being said, though it. One of the things that we've always wanted to answer for ourselves and that we've always had in the back of our head was <clears throat> where was Damon leading up to the moment when he came through Stefan's balcony window in the pilot and had all this, you know, knowledge of Elena and, uh, you know, where had he been? Because he clearly hadn't just, like, rolled up into town that day. And so we always knew that there was a story we were going to want to tell, um, at least, you know, hint at about Damon, who what he was up to before the series started, uh, we just and so we figured he'd been in Mystic Falls, and we figured he'd had, you know, an, an awareness of Elena, if nothing else. Um, but I think it came hand in hand with knowing that him compelling her to forget these things, that knowing that she would be in transition, all these memories are going to come back. And so we thought, what would be so great is if they had a whole little moment that she has no idea of then all that memory is going to come flooding back in. Yeah. yeah I, I, go ahead, Jess. I was just going to say, I'm excited for her to remember those things. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of things that she remembers, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff. Um, 
Well, is it just us? Or in the scene where um, Elena made Stefan take Matt there at the end, did we see a little bit of regret from Stefan that he wasn't more like Damon in the sense that he let her make that decision? Because, I mean, clearly if it would have been Damon, Damon would have yanked her out of that car. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, Paul Wesley called when he read when he read the script and he said, how could, I mean, he said, there's no way that Stefan would leave her to die, you know, <laughs> like he loves her so much. And there's, and he's like, I don't buy it for a minute. And I said, what do you mean you don't buy it? That's the entire freaking like foundation <laughs> of your guys' relationship. Of Stefan and Elena's relationship is that you respect her choice. And this is her choice. And she's saying to you, Help him first. I said, you're not leaving her to die. You're just helping him first. And unfortunately, time has run out, and there's nothing, you know, and then she dies before you can get back there. But, you know, it's, it's, it's the beauty of the dynamic of your relationship and the fundamental thing that separates Damon and Elena from Stefan and Elena. And, by the way, neither of them would be wrong in that situation, you know. I mean, right. Damon grabbing her and letting poor Matt Donovan die, okay, you know, that's – at least Elena's alive. That Damon's been very clear about that. Yeah. Um, but what, what, I, what we talked about in the room a lot was that, you know, I think there was this great episode of ER. I mean, one of my favorite episodes of ER was the pregnant, the pregnant mom episode, um, where Dr. Green, like, loses the mom and the pa- and the baby or whatever it is. But you always see these in, like, medical shows where, you know, the, the mother's giving birth to the child, and it's sort of like if you if you got to save the child or save the mother, and it's often the husband who's left to make that decision. And what do you do in a moment where you know that if you don't save the child and you save your wife, she will probably never forgive you for choosing her, you know? And yeah. I believe that to be so true with Elena. Like, if, if Stefan saved Elena and let Matt die, especially given the way it all turned out, I don't know that Elena could have ever recovered from that. So um, the guilt, I think, would just be too much. So even though it sucked, it was horrible for Stefan. It was the worst thing he'd ever had to do in his entire life, and he would never probably do it again. Um, it was the right call. Yeah, I agree. I, I I agree with you what you said about Paul Wesley. Like, how could you not? How could you not see that? Like, that's been their entire relationship is him letting her make her own decisions. And even that one little scene, she gives that Elena face underwater, like that look to Stefan where she's like, yeah. "Just do what I say. Just do it." Like she yeah. still has that look. It's a mix. <laughs> it's a mix of everything. But um, yeah. yeah so <laughs> Elena has made it clear a few times that she did not want to become a vampire. Did she know that she was going to come back? Or was she honestly just ready to die? Um, I'm not going to tell you the answer to that because <laughs> we will tell you the answer to that when we come back next year. That's fair enough. But I think I think that that's ultimately going to be as important as you know the choice she made in the moment is knowing is learning whether she knew what she was getting herself into or not. Okay, that's fair enough. Well, that gives us something awesome to look forward to. So now let's kind of talk Bonnie for a minute because it's time for her to get her due a little bit. And um, a lot of people want to know, why did it take three seasons for Bonnie losing every single person, being used and abused, to make her strong enough to want to finally take charge and make her own decisions and make take this chance? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think that Bonnie 
while she's been used and abused, you know, once or twice or a handful of times over the three seasons, when all said and done, it was more often in favor of someone she loved or someone she cared about, you know, um, saving Elena or saving her friends or helping, you know. So it, there was always it was it was more that she was the victim of circumstance more often than not. And this, for me, was the first time where she kind of took a stand and said, I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm doing. I'm not going to work it through. I'm not going to debate it. I'm not going to, you know, touch base with the witches. I, I'm not going to plan this out with my vampires. I'm not going to do anything other than protect the people that I love come hell or high water. And if if this is the only way to do it, then I'm going to do it. And so I, you know, I sort of love Bonnie just kind of taking a stand and being like, hey, people, like, I get to make my own decisions here um, without being pressured into it by other people. Yeah, it was definitely a fabulous move for y'all to do, I have to say, um, especially after last week's episode when she was kind of led and made to allow a lark to feed off of her. I think this was a good way for her to come back and do what needed to be done and, and take that stand. It was a good job. Yeah. Yeah, it just it, you know, there was a there was a line that we cut out because uh, we were so long and we had to just like find little line trims here and there to get the episode to time and um and uh and Tyler Klaus says, you know, Bonnie Bennett, the secret hero, you know, <laughs> and, oh. uh, and I, I like that. I like that a lot. Exactly that too. I do, too. Well, um, Bonnie seems to get angry a lot at the crew for their decisions. Do you think the tables will turn now and everyone will be mad at Bonnie for her decisions? No way. I mean, Bonnie basically effectively saved Christmas, Hanukkah, Easter, the world, <laughs> and the heavens all in one fell swoop. I mean, had, had Klaus died, all of our heroes would be dead. So she's... <laughs> she saved everything. So, you know, I think I think there might be some shock and some, you know, and some processing, especially on Caroline's part, because she, of course, wasn't – there's nothing worse than having to believe that your loved one is dying right in front of you, only to then learn it was just a big fake-out. But, um, you know, there's going to be some delicate things to discuss, but when all is said and done, Bonnie made the right call. There's nobody, I think, who would who would argue that. I agree. She made the right call, and, and I hope that I hate that they come to that quicker rather than later with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't she, think yeah, I don't think anybody's gonna be like taking her to task for what she did. I think if anything, they should throw her a parade. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say thank you for making Klaus linked to everybody, so now Klaus cannot die, because that's my man. So I'm totally stoked about him being around for a while. Even if he's in someone else's body, I'm okay with that, because there's there's a chance he's going to show back up, because Joseph Morgan is a freaking genius. So, totally excited about that. But, well, I will um, have you know this, because I do love Joseph Morgan, but I will tell you that, in my mind, it was always Elijah. It was yeah. always Elijah. I thought it was, too. I definitely <laughs> thought it was, too. Yeah. And then, but I was thankful that it wasn't. But while we're talking about the originals, is there any way you can tell us the birth order of the original siblings? Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Okay, yes, but I might get it wrong, so bear with me for a second. Um, because we there are things that we talked about in the room. There are things that we actually wrote, but never ended up on screen. And then there's what actually ended up on screen. So if I 
if I blow this, forgive me. So obviously Heinrich was the youngest. Um, may he rests in peace. And then uh, Rebecca uh, was was the baby after Heinrich was done. Klaus, uh, sorry, Cole is uh, her just slightly older brother. Um, and then Klaus, it was the middle child for sure. Uh, and then, and then I think here for you guys have to help me. Forgive me, I'm embarrassed to not remember this. But have we ever said on camera that Elijah was? the oldest of the siblings, because in our minds, I think Finn is the oldest and Elijah is just under him, but I could be wrong about that. I want to say that I think it was Finn was the firstborn, and that's why he kind of had that mommy syndrome. I thought that was the way it played. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the way it played. We definitely wrote it. We definitely wrote that the Finn character as, like, that sort of stiff, you know, like Elvis, who you know, who has the, you know, lives up to mommy's wants, and you know, and it, it's such a disciplinarian and so stern. So uh, if he, if he's not the oldest, then the, oh, oh well, our bad. <laughs> and I love Klaus being the middle child because he definitely has middle child syndrome so bad, and it's like perfect. And I've said like a hundred times, Klaus is totally the middle child. I know because I'm the middle child, and I, I know. So that's that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people want to know, um, in the midst of when Alaric was dying and, and, and Damon, you know, figured out, oh, crap, Elena's dying, oh, my God, you can't be dead, did Damon grab that stake before he head to the hospital to see Elena? Oh, hell, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Because <laughs> we were worried that in, in the, his emotional mess, Damon might just forget everything, and uh, we were hoping that he grabbed that stake, but we we wanted to make clear for that. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. For sure, that 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 stake will you know will it will live on for a while, if not forever. Well, I know that um, you tweeted about this. So I didn't know that you know, but um, how weird is it that the day of the finale that the Mystic Girl catches on fire? I know, isn't that crazy? That was um, that was strange, <laughs> actually. You know, I mean, it turns out I don't think there was um, too much damage. I know that it was the inside of the the lawyer's office that yeah. um you know that's not a restaurant as you guys know you do the tours but um it's uh it it i don't know how bad it was but it, there was no structural damage but yeah it's it was okay kind of um, we that. went up and saw um, my phone was ringing at six o'clock in the morning oh my god the mystic girl is on fire and it's so it's so crazy because nobody said you know the lawyer's name it was the mystic girl is on fire so yeah <laughs> We rushed up, and it is. The outside is perfectly fine, so it will be okay for filming. But um, it was just so weird that it did happen the day of the finale. So we definitely wanted to give it its little due there, you know. I just, like, I, it weirds me out that Elena's house is for sale because that's just, I mean, what if the people that buy it don't like television? Well, I'm going to tell you that um, the owner of the home who's selling it did tell me that he was going to ask in the contract or whatever that they keep using it in that way because he did feel loyal to the show and he felt like, you know, the house was kind of meant to be Elena's from now on. So hopefully they will come back. But it's been for sale for so long, I don't know if it's ever going to sell. I mean, that's the honesty. It's been for sale for a very long time. It seems a little expensive uh, for yes. having been. A little expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, They're banking I mean, on the like, there. <laughs> and, 
I think I they think they'll house. get a little bit more because y'all have used it. So, and maybe they will uh, one day, but but it has been for sale for a long time, and they are asking a little bit much for it. So, I, you know, we'll see. <laughs> but um, what could you say to the Damon Elena fans who waited for them to get together only to be shot down? Um, a lot of them, I'm not going to be surprised if you tell me you're getting hate tweets. So um, some of them are saying they might not watch next <laughs> And that type of thing. So what would you like to say to them to kind of calm their fears? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I feel like if I was watching that episode and analyzing it and paying attention to it, that there's a lot in there that is much more complicated than just a simple Damon got rejected. Because, in my opinion, that's not really what happened at all. I mean, yes, in this moment when she had to say, "Who do I, you know, who would I, who do I give the goodbye to? Who do I love more?" It's Stefan because it's been Stefan for her, you know. But right. that's just a moment. That's just a that is just a moment in an episode that is about so much more in a in a show that's about so much more in a seer, in a season that's been about so much more. And to me, that it's almost in a beautiful way kind of negated that little moment by the flashback you know where we just say hey you know what there's so much more to this relationship than even Elena knows or that our audience knew so it just opens the door for continued exploration which is life you know that's what life is this show it's not cut and dry like it's not the Stephen Elena show. It's not the Damon Elena show. It's a show about people and feelings and growth, and it's a journey. And so, you know, I I personally, um, it makes me sad to see people responding with, oh, this is it, we're done with the show, because I feel like, well, that's silly. Why would you stay in for all this time just to miss <laughs> out on probably the best parts over the next couple years, you know? I But I'm, you know, I don't remember – in my life ever, you know, I, I I was dying for for couples to get together and love stories to be told, and I loved watching the journey so much. Um, and it, it never ruined the show for me when the, when the journey took a different path because I always knew that the path would continue. Um, so I would say if you love the show, keep watching the show because these characters are – just in the middle of their journey. If you only like the show to see Damon and Elena as a couple, then you should probably stop because it's not going to happen in episode one of next year. Um, and, you know, and it, it may happen eventually, but it's it's all part of a very long and hopefully beautiful road. And well, please, I think for God's that, sake, um, stop, yelling, stop yelling at me. <laughs> stop, exactly. Stop applause. <laughs> You write it the way Sorry. everybody wants it, then it'll never make any sense, and it'll just be a lot of hoopla, and, and so you have to tell the, the story the way it needs to be told, and you have to have all those journeys with all those characters, and so much changes from day to day, and um, I think that they should not send you hate mail tweets. That is so mean. I mean, I know well, that we know, got like... crazy questions for you just asking for one interview, so I can't imagine what you deal with just on one day. So I'm sorry for that. 
Oh, no. You know, look, I mean, here's the thing. Yes, it, it completely bums me out. I'm not going to lie and, like, be stiff about it and be like, oh, it's fine. Passion's great. Like, there are some things that are tweeted at me that are so mean, so mean that I feel like <laughs> I just want to, like, go into a room and cry a little, you know? So it's not okay. And I'm not just talking about Damon Elena or Stefan Elena, you know. When, so there are a small amount of people that just like to, um, just like to kind of bully and be cruel, uh, uh, disguise the anonymity of the internet, and and it's a bummer because they're sort of in a time when you're not supposed to be doing that. So uh, it it sort of sucks to be you know part of it. But I think for me personally, and you know, look, I I, I get myself in trouble with every single thing I say, so I. I tried to be careful in the past, but for me personally, I love this show a lot. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to the people who make it. It means as much to Michael Trevino and Candace and Zach and Matt and Kat and Steven and Joseph and Claire and the cast and the crew as it does to Ian, Paul, and Nina, you know? Steph and Damon and Elena are one part of this world that we've created. And so when when people negate the satisfaction of an entire episode, not just Steph, but over the course of the last two seasons, when, you know, what, when we're really proud of an episode because it's a very well-written, well-made, well-acted, and well-produced episode that people worked really hard on, and you've got people spewing hate at you because it didn't have a face-to-face scene between your favorite ship. You just want to be like, God, really? Like, okay, <laughs> all right. I guess that's, you know, that's, that is a good, it is good to know that people care so much, and we love that. And, and in that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing because we're making something that gets people this excited and this angry. Um, but you do feel a little, I feel protective a lot of the writers, of myself, and of the rest of the people that work so hard to make the show when – when people get a little mean about it. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm proud of your answer. I I very much appreciate the fact that everyone cares about everything with the show, and you're right. Uh, We've watched the cast and the crew here, and no one works harder than someone else. So everyone should get their credit and their due, and it should be about every single one of them every single day. And if you pay attention, like, and if you pay attention, you know, to episodes like I know I do and Jessica does and other people that really analyze stuff, you guys do pay attention to things that we that we say because I've seen several references to things that people have said on Twitter in episodes. So I think that, and maybe I'm just catching this, but, I mean, stupid things like, you know, the soap in the dish or, you know, why people <laughs> get into Elena's house. or I mean, there's things that you guys, I can tell, pay attention to that we joke about on Twitter and it gets thrown into an episode. And I think that's really cool because I don't see a lot of shows doing that. So I think the writers yeah. do listen to us in a sense. It might be a humorous sense, but, you know, they are listening to everything we're saying. But anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's honestly, that's, that's the, the fun of it. Just, you know, just the fun of it is to be able to have this living, breathing, organic mechanism in front of us called Twitter and the Internet in which we get to, you know, the fans get to call us out on our mistakes and we get to be like, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> Uh, or oh ha ha, you know, and we know when we know when we make certain decisions and do certain things, you know, we make jokes in the room about oh this isn't going to go over well, you know, but <laughs> the point is, and, and and so the point is we enjoy the back and forth and we we enjoy being able to kind of have a nice open dialogue and sometimes if it gets 
too, like, too cruel, you know, you, you just don't even want to get in there. You just want to hide. And so then everybody kind of kind of gets hurt as a result because then the dialogue stops and we retreat and we, you know, um, I can't I can't sign on Twitter every morning and have someone yelling at me that I'm, you know, that I've got no talent and that I'm fat, you know. I mean, that's just horrible. That's um, so you, you, you ignore it when you can ignore it, but sometimes when it just, like, takes you by surprise, you're like, okay, well, I feel 12 years old again and I'm going to go, like, cry in my locker. So... That's what that's what we try to avoid. Well, we don't like that, and we're not going to talk about you like that, and we think this show is brilliant, or we wouldn't have asked you to come on. So, <laughs> well, thank what, you. I appreciate it. I think important. I'm okay, too. I think <laughs> pretty good, too. Well, that brings me to, is there anything you wish you had done differently in Season 3? Um, yeah, I think there's a few things. Um. You know, it's funny because the, it's hard to separate, like, what what I say based on feedback versus what we knew we were missing along the way. I mean, I think that that um, we didn't mean to have Tyler gone for so long in the middle because so that, that felt like that felt like a little bit of a repeat of season two when all said and done. Like, we knew we, knew we wanted to get him out of town um, to go deal with the fire bond, but it, the way the stories continued breaking, it was a good seven or eight episodes before we were able to bring him back in. And so, in a way, it kind of felt like we had just recycled the same old story point from the year before, which I think was not intentional and just sort of happens that way. Um, I think that uh, I think that we might have been able to get a little, a little bit more mileage out of Michael. It, it, you know, we we killed him. We wanted to make that a big moment where we think we're getting Klaus and instead we get Michael, and we wanted that to hit by um, the cliffhanger from before the holidays. So we kind of had a ticking clock for that as storytellers where we wanted to get that done. <clears throat> um, and that was the whole episode was sort of hinging on that. So we couldn't have really, like, pulled the plug on that that easily and done something different. But I do think that Sebastian as Michael is a really great actor and that there was some more to be done there. Um, I think that uh, I, I wanted all season for Stefan to have a complete emotional, cathartic breakdown, um, you know, around around the time we, you know, he was coming out of the revenge and realizing everything that he'd lost and for us to really see his emotions pour back in and really understand that he was turning back to, you know, Stefan who was trying to, good Stefan is trying to pull himself together. And we tried to write that scene in four different episodes and it never felt right. It always felt forced and it always felt kind of melodramatic. And so we, you know, we just kept moving forward and we didn't have that moment. But I feel like that would have been a great, I wanted Stefan to break down in front of his brother and just cry and for Damon to be there and stand there like man-to-man in support of him. I thought, oh, oh, yeah, that would have been awesome. And we tried it. And, you know, it's like some things, like, work better in your head than they do on the page. Or, you know, you're, you're doing 22 episodes a year. You're writing basically a script every eight days. So sometimes you just can't figure out a way to make it work in the time that you have, and you've got to keep moving forward. Um, 
We also started the year saying that we'd be really careful by not letting the witches take over the mythology because witches are really slippery slope. And then, of course, by the time we get to episode, like, 20, the, the witch is running the mythology. Um, so that was sort of like, a, oh, hell, how did that happen? Um, <laughs> because... Because, you know, witch, less is more with witches always, and, and uh, because they're just, they've got too much power. And so the problem with witches and storytelling is that you, if you've got a witch that can solve the problem, then you should always go to the witch to solve the problem. And if you don't go to the witch to solve the problem, then you're dumb. Uh, but if the witch can solve every problem, then witch is God, and, you know, then therefore there's no such thing as real conflict anymore because all problems are solvable. And... So it's really, really, really delicate and makes for really complicated story breaking. Um, it makes it hard for us, and so we try to keep it to a minimum, and it just got a, it got away from us this year and overwhelmed it a little bit. But um, that being said, you know, we like that from the beginning, the witch was the big bad, uh, you know, even at the end of last year because Vicky showing up, from the other side in the finale last year was, you know, as a result of being pushed by Esther. So Esther was there even before we knew about her, which we like the, you know, we like that. So I'm trying to think what else. Um, I think it was very cool the way that y'all brought everyone back in Ghost World, too. I think a lot of the fans really appreciated getting to see the few characters that they'd really missed or not felt like they didn't see enough of. So that was a really good move. Thank you. You know, it's funny because that episode, I love that episode because I cry like a baby. I have a complete nostalgic fan reaction every time I see that episode. Uh, because, you know, when you love these people so much and then they go away, when they come back, you're just so happy to see them. Um, you know, I think that there are there are critics of, uh, you know, of, of the show who uh, think that episode is all that is wrong with the world, which, <laughs> you know, they, they hate it. They think it's terrible. Um, and I think that makes me almost weirdly love it even more because I think that there are just some things that you can do when you've got a long-running TV series that are for emotional and sentimental and nostalgic reasons, um, and it and it's okay. I think you can get away with that stuff. And and just that episode for the moment, it, the two moments, my favorite moments of that episode were, of course, Anna and her mom in the street, which just kills me every time. Yeah. Um, and then, in fact, that whole song, the whole you know, the whole women's work song with Graham's holding Bonnie's hand by the fire, which just slays me every time. But it's when you know. Alaric says to Damon, you're going to recycle it, or, you're, you know, he's like, you're going to recycle that same crap-ass apology you gave Mason Lockwood. And just that, the bromance in that episode, I really was loved. So that, that one's my, like, little fangirl favorite, even if it's not necessarily a critical favorite. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Well, do you plan on starting season four off where season three left? Yes. Yes. Um, for sure, because, you know, in, in the rules, obviously, uh, Lane's got 24 hours about, on or about, uh, to either complete a transition to become a vampire or she'll die. So that first episode will be that period. Well, this is um, this is kind of an important question. I know that this season it was very well thought out, and it was said that it would be the season of the originals. 
and it was absolutely. Um, what can kind of theme can we look forward to for season four? Have y'all decided that yet? And can you tell us? Um, I probably can't tell you much yet because you know, yes, we've got some great, great, great stuff. Um, but I haven't thought about it in the context of how to how to pitch it. I mean, obviously, now that you guys have seen the finale, it's very clear that you know that um, that Elaine is going to have obviously one a big decision to make, and two, should she make that decision to be a vampire, uh, that changes everything. It changes herself as a high school senior. It changes the dynamic at home. It changes her relationships and her you know and her friendships, and everyone's going to be working together you know to help her. It, it, in a lot of ways, it brings us back to season one and some, and, you know, the beginning of season one in some nice ways, which is that it's going to be, you know, about people keeping a secret. So a lot of the conflict is going to come internally as opposed to from external sources. We're not going to necessarily – I mean, we're certainly going to have a villain and villains coming in and, and wreaking havoc, but it's going to be a lot of of character stuff too, which is great to be able to dig deeply and richly into characters in the fourth season of a show and, and still have so much to to say. Yeah, I'm really excited to see where Bonnie goes to on whether or not she keeps grasping a little bit of that dark magic or she goes back towards the good a little bit more. I'm so excited for her next season. I feel like it's going to be a really big time for her. Yeah, it, it, next season is definitely a season of a lot of exploration uh, and growth for Bonnie um, in that way that when you're kind of heading into out of high school and into college and making decisions about your life and, and where you want to go and who you want to be, uh, in, even if you're not witch, <laughs> yeah. you're just a human, that's going to be a lot of what Bonnie's going through. And um, we've got some really nice stuff for her. I'm excited for her. Do you think we'll finally get to see her dad? Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> Very good. That yeah. makes me happy. <laughs> I definitely do. Okay. Well, um, Julie, before we let you go, we wanted you to be able to tell everybody about the movie that you're adapting. It's a book called Tiger. Di- uh, Listen to me. I'm making up animals. Tiger's Curse. Um, I'm actually about to start reading it. Uh, Chloe has a copy, and I'm about to steal her copy and read it. And um, I just wanted you to tell everybody about your movie. Oh, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a young adult book, as you said, that's Paramount bought. The author is a Colleen Houck, um, and it's called Tiger's Curse. And I think it just came out in in paperback, so it should be at the bookstores. But, um, you know, it's <laughs> I sort of jokingly call it The Vampire Diaries of Tigers. Um, and <laughs> there are some fun similarities. Uh, you know, that uh, the lead girl, Kelsey, has lost her parents and as, as it just turned 18 and is sort of all alone in the world. And she takes a job at a circus um, and bonds instantly with this magnificent white tiger that's one of the circus animals. Um, and very quickly, a uh, man shows up from India and buys the tiger and is going to take the tiger home to India and offers her a job helping him transport the tiger. And when she gets to India, she realizes that uh, that she's actually the key in breaking an ancient curse, which turned what was once a gorgeous, handsome young prince into this tiger. 
And so there's a, a fun fairy tale element to it. There's a great action-adventure element to it because in trying to help them break the curse, they go on all kinds of adventures leading them, you know, into caves and prayer temples and jungles all through India. Um, and it's uh, it's really fun. So I'm just, you know, I'm into it and I'm working on it and, I think it. I think it'll be. I think it'll be good. Well, I think, yeah, that sounds like a great project, and, and you know, it's great that you've got something else new coming out as well. And you know, the Vampire Diaries fandom is just going to follow you right over in that, as they will in probably anything and everything else that you do. So that's got to be a good thing. Yeah. Well, it, I'll tell you. You know, the boohoo of of the conversation about hate tweets aside, you know this fandom is so so beautiful in so many ways i mean i feel it's silly but i feel you know i was just gonna say like you know hey tell chloe that i said (laughs) that Uh i said i you know she owes me a call you know it's so funny that between you guys and you know and the the friends on twitter and you know people who cover the show for the blogs and stuff um that we we have built this community that's really special and i i love that and i i know that everybody that works on the show feels the same way um that we we have like these friends scattered across the globe um and you know some of you guys get to meet them at conventions and you know some of you guys get to meet them as you know you come through georgia and that's great but the fact that we all kind of have the ability to interact with each other and to connect with each other it makes the show itself in our minds so much more special um, than just a TV show because it's it's kind of like a family that we've built. And that's why I think we get protective of it, and that's why, you know, that's why we fight back a little bit because, you know, because we love it like family and, and we want us all to kind of love it like family. And I guess, you know, the byproduct of family, at least in my family, is you fight like hell, mm-hmm. you yell at each other, and you, and you slam a lot of doors and say, I hate you. So I guess that's, you know, for sure, <laughs> for sure part of it all. So, um, you know, we we are so grateful. I am so grateful. And, um, and you know, even conversations like this are awesome. You guys, so thank you so much. No, thank oh, you so much for coming you, on. Having you on, that's for sure. And, you know, I say every week here, I'm so lucky to, to be a part of this fandom. And because I do the tours, I see new people every single day. And a lot of people don't realize that the Vampire Diaries fandom, they're not only great, but they are passionate. They believe what they watch, and they have their opinions, and they say so, and they don't mind saying it. And I just think that it's a beautiful thing that they can come together and do conventions, like you said, and talk on Twitter and make friends that they would have never, ever met in any other way, shape, or form. And you all do that for them. You've brought them together in a way they can discuss these things and do that. So you have to go to bed at spall at night and just know that that you've done that because it's a great thing. You know, it's funny. One of the one of the saddest things I read in the in the Twitter feedback and the hate in the hate tweets was somebody said all my friends. It was so sad. It broke my heart. All my friends are quitting Twitter because. Elena chose Stefan. So she's, you know, this is obviously a, a Damon Elena fan. Right. And she's so upset, just more upset not just because, uh, you know, Elena and, and, and Damon weren't going to be together, but because in their outrage, some of her friends had basically said they were quitting the show and quitting Twitter, and they were canceling their Twitter accounts in protest. 
and she was so sad about losing her her network and her and her group of friends and that that's what got my heart a little you know because no of course i don't want you know anybody jumping off the show because they're sad upset because you know that's why we want people sticking around is because we are all in it together so I don't think um, they're going anywhere anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I was tagged in that tweet. Me and Chloe were discussing it earlier. I was like, I can't, I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> All these people are tweeting me this stuff, and I just want any questions. I don't know how to respond. <laughs> <laughs> I was really freaking out. But, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 it tugged at my heart a little, I will say that. I agree. I agree. Okay, well, um, before we let you go, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, if we could get a little clip from you where you just say, um, hey, everybody, this is Julie Pleck, and you're listening to the BRO, that would be really awesome. And then if you'd hold on, Amy's going to take one to the screen room. And, again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming on and talking to us because, you know, we absolutely love this show. We recap it all the time, and it's so nice to talk to the person that brings all this to life for us every week. So it, it, it's been really awesome. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Wait, what am I saying? Oh, I remember. Um, okay. <laughs> you just say, um, hey, this is Julie Plack, and you're listening to the Bureau, or what, whatever you want to say whenever you're ready. Okay, cool. Hey, this is Julie Plack from the Vampire Diaries, and you are listening to the VRO. Sweet. Thank you that? so much. And <laughs> Awesome. It's awesome. And uh, Amy's going to take you over, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next season. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you, and we hope you get in your house soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I'm not quite sure how that's going to happen, but I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> and um, I had one more thing to tell you just before Amy grabs you. Um, ben and Ralph over at the Lockwood Mansion, Ben said yeah. to make sure that you knew that he expected to see you really soon, early on in the next uh, season. So he, he missed it. That's good. They will have wine waiting. They will have wine waiting. They always do. They always do. They are so good to us, and they have such a beautiful home. It's, like, amazing what they do for us. I love love them. I love them, too, yep. Yeah, they were pretty excited when they knew we were talking to you tonight, so I told them I'd (laughs) better, you know. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Okay, well, um, thanks again, Julie. And if you'll just hold on, Amy, I'll pull you over, and then we'll let you go. Okay, everybody. Um, hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, for those who didn't get to listen, we are going to post the link. I guess if you're not listening, you're not going to know that. But I also plan, I'm going to try in the next couple of days, I cannot promise, um, because I am getting ready to leave to go to Europe on Tuesday, but I'm going to try in the next couple of days to do a write-up of this so everybody, you know, has all the answers to the questions that we ask, and we have it kind of, you know, knotted down so we know exactly what was said. Um, it, it, just, isn't it crazy how everybody wants to know what Julie has to say? Nobody cares about that, do you understand? They yeah, really yeah, but she, she really don't. Yeah. <laughs> she's the one who decides what's going to happen. So it's everybody true. wants to know what she's thinking for sure. So It's, it, it's very true. It is. um, Everybody make sure to, if you're ever thinking, you know, like we talked about the Mystic Girl catching on fire and those types of things, any kind of news that you're ever wondering about for for Covington and Mystic Falls filming, that type of thing, 
you can always find that out at vampirestalkers.com. And we talked about my tour, so I am going to plug it really quick and say that um, we do tours of Mystic Falls as well. So if you're a first-time listener, there is a link from Vampire Stalkers as well for that. And you can actually come see where they film, maybe watch filming if they have to be filming that day. So it's a lot of fun. It's so neat to see how hard this crew works. It's amazing. Um, you know, the actors always get their due, but the crew never gets their due. So I always try to give them a shout-out whenever I can. So um, if you want, you're looking for that news or anything, then it's VampireStalkers.com. And, and make sure you keep coming back to the VRO because we recap the Vampire Diaries every Friday night, but we do this month of May every year. So if this is your first time listening, make sure you keep up because we always talk to the cast of the Vampire Diaries every May, and we still have a few more interviews for this month. And if there's any that you've missed, they are archived. You can see them on any player that we have. On There is a pl- one on my website. You can go to the VRO.com. So, so make sure you kind of catch up because you've already missed some really good ones. And um, if you guys stick around, we are going to have our four-year anniversary at 930. And... Um, we're going to do a little trivia, VRO trivia. Um, we talked about it on one of our last fun shows that we all the hosts got together. And we're going to have hopefully a couple of guests um, call in from like past guests and stuff like that. And I've got some news that I want to share from past guests that can't call in. So hopefully everybody um, can stay tuned for that one. But awesome interview, girls. And, um Yeah. I, I can't wait to see her, and then I will call back in. So okay. I'm going to eat dinner, and then I will call back for ends of the anniversary show. And, hey, um, everything that Julie said there at the end about, you know, the fans being family and everybody, bought, like, all that stuff's really true. Like, we really appreciate all the support here at the Bureau. We appreciate all the tweets and, and, and everything. Like, you guys are really awesome. So and know, it, it's all really true. We're excited about it. I want to say something, too, just just because she she did talk about the hate mail and the stuff, and she talked about people saying that she was fat. So I'm going to ask that every single VRO listener for the next seven days, when you get up, I don't care if it's 7 o'clock in the morning or 7 o'clock in the evening, I want your first tweet of the day to be, Julie Pleck, you are beautiful. And I think if we do it, it'll trend and it'll be something great, and it'll show her how much we appreciate her and what she does. And uh, maybe it'll put a smile on her face instead of making her wanting to go cry in the bedroom. I agree. And honestly, it's I I hate the power that the internet has given some people because you sit there behind your computer screens and talk shit about somebody like that, and that just upsets me so bad because Julie is a beautiful person, inside and out. She is, and um, my my internet's messing up right now, so don't think I'm not going to do it too. I plan to do it, but I just I would appreciate if anybody that's listening, if you've got the time and you think about it every day, if you follow my tweets and you see me do it, and that reminds you to do it. If you only do it once, because that's the only time you remember. But I'd like everybody to do it every every day for the next seven days. I think it'd be an awesome tribute to what a great finale we just had, and um, why not? It takes three seconds, and you're going to be tweeting a bunch of nonsense anyway, so you can throw that in there, and it won't matter. Hey, and while we're at it and we're tweeting a bunch of nonsense, make sure you tweet the heck out of the Secret Circle, because we want the Secret Circle back, and the CW announced that it was canceled today, and we are very pissed off, and we want them to know that we want that show back or another network to pick it up. So tweet the heck out of it. I thought I was going to go to Twitter jail today. 
Just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because we do love the secret circle. So let's get that picked up, back up if we can. And um, that's it, guys. I guess I'm going to hang that's up. It. Thanks again, and I'll be home back. And I hope she gets in the house soon and she tweets us and lets us know so we won't worry about her all night. And then what is it with you girls? You get Sam Huntington in a storm with a tornado and crazy. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back, guys. We'll tell all those stories on our anniversary show. We will. We will. Okay. Good night, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do you love movies, music, books, television? You do. Then come on over to the VRO on Blog Talk Radio. We have shows for all your obsessions. Vampires, we've got them. The latest blockbuster movies, they're right here. Fans and books, music and fiction, it's all at the VRO. What are you waiting for? Log on to the VRO today. www.thevro.com. <laughs>